Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, let's pray and we'll jump into to our series. Father, we, we love you so much. I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we invite you to come and speak to us. Father, I ask that you bless each one of us with eyes to see and ears to hear. God, hearts that are good and tender and receptive. Spirit of revelation and understanding, God, that we could know you more. Father, flood our hearts with light today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. When somebody, when somebody has a nickname... Usually, you can make uh, the assumption that they, they've got that nickname for a reason, that there's some backstory or, or a, a good explanation of why that person isn't called their regular name, but they're called this other name. Just yesterday, I was telling one of my daughters how my grandpa, uh, his, everyone called him Slim. His name was Howard, but it, everyone just referred to him as Slim. That was his nickname. The reason, you could probably guess it, he, he was, he was a, a tall, slender man. He was tall and he was skinny. They called him, they called him slim. There was, there was a, a reason behind referring to him as that. So if you meet somebody and they say, hey, my, my name is Steve, but all my friends call me Stinky. But, I mean, you're going you're gonna to start in your mind looking at this guy, so, you know, you're smelling your hand after you shake his. You're going to want to know, like, what's the backstory here? Why? There's, there's got to be a reason why they call him Stinky, right? Because you know when, when someone earns that kind of name and that kind of reputation, I, I want to know why. There's probably a good reason. In, in Psalm 65, David is writing this psalm or, or probably singing this song to the Lord. And as he's singing this song to the Lord, one of the lines, he doesn't, he doesn't use one of God's formal names. He says, oh, you who hears my prayers. Oh, you who, who hears prayer. He just refers to God as the one who hears or the one who answers prayer. Now, obviously, why, why would God have a reputation or a nickname almost as, oh, oh you, you, you prayer hearer, you, you prayer answer, you as he's, he's magnifying the name of the Lord? Because that's one of the ways that God was known and is known and wants to be known as a God who hears you when you cry out to him, who responds when you pray. God has given us prayer as a means of connecting with him, accessing his power, seeing his will done on earth, being able to, to commune with him and fellowship with him. And we've been taking time to grow in our effectiveness in prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and what will happen? You will be given. So we can, we can deduce from that, if I don't ask, what's not going to happen? I'm not going to get, there are things God wants to do in our lives that come about as a result directly to us making requests in prayer. God doesn't force his will on us. He waits for us to come and, and make those requests. Jesus said, he's a good father. How much, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who, to those who ask? Asking is important. And we looked at James chapter four, this first couple of verses, kind of like a launching point in this, in this series that says, you have not because you ask not. That's one problem. People aren't asking. They're not praying. And then he says, and when you ask, you still don't receive because you ask amiss. So we've been taking time to learn how to pray properly. It's not good enough that we pray. 
It's not just as long as you're praying. There is, there is a proper way to approach God if we want to be effective. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? They, they grew up in, in Israel, in a religious society, in a community. It was all about religion. You read through the Gospels, there's scribes and Pharisees and teachers of religious law all over the place. That's the environment the disciples grew up in. So they were familiar with people praying. Jesus even had to rebuke the Pharisees because they prayed out in the open so everyone could see them. They saw that kind of praying, but they understood, Jesus, when you pray, it's something, it's something different. You pray like you really know who you're praying to, and there's power, and there's, there's results. Teach us to pray like you. And when when they asked, Jesus didn't say, I just, you know, just keep doing it. Practice makes perfect. Jesus had a very direct and specific answer. You want to pray effectively? Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. And he gave them this model prayer. So we've been, we've been looking at Matthew's account. In fact, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus begins to teach on prayer. We've talked about that. Last week, we started to get into what we call the Lord's Prayer, this model, this model prayer. We'll go ahead and read it, starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last week, we got about one word deep in this as we're trying to learn how to be effective in our prayer lives. And we talked about the significance of Jesus telling us, if you want to be effective in prayer, here's how you approach. You approach God, not just as creator, not as almighty God, not as the one true and living God. Those are all valid aspects of who he is. But the angle of approach that we've been invited to come to God is to know him as our father, to know him as my, my Abba father, my heavenly, my heavenly dad. That changes the dynamics of how we approach him. The Jewish people knew God, knew, knew that he was the creator, knew he, knew he was the true mighty God, the, the one who was going to judge. They knew all those aspects, but what they missed, and Jesus came to bring this revelation, is we don't just have to approach him as the creator. You can approach him as your heavenly father. And then Jesus began to, to bring revelation throughout his ministry. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven give good things? We talked about that's the standard of what God wants to do in our lives. The story of the prodigal son, someone who is, is distant from their father, made a bunch of terrible mistakes. God wants, God's the kind of father that when you have messed up, you don't have to run away from him. You can run to him. Yes. Have you ever felt in your walk with the Lord that you can, you're free to approach him? You can come boldly when you, you've been doing really well. You've been reading your Bible. You haven't messed up. You haven't fallen into sin. You're doing good. You feel free to go to the Lord. But when you know that you're off a little bit and things begin to slide and you're not where you should be and you said something you shouldn't have said, that you feel like you've got to avoid God until you make changes and get yourself together and then you can come to him. You ever feel like that? He, Jesus brought the revelation. That's not how God wants things to be. He wants to be a father that you don't have to be perfect to come to. He wants to help you and assist you and strengthen you and get you to that, get you to that place. It's... That there's a lot of different aspects of who God is, and we need to acknowledge those. But first and foremost, we approach him as our father. Yes. You know, if we were in a restaurant 
together and I said, hey, you know what? I know the owner of the restaurant. That would be good. That would allow me some access. But just knowing the owner would be very different than saying my dad is the owner. Right. So to know him as creator is wonderful, but when you know my father is the creator, yeah. to know him as almighty God, that's significant, but when you know my father is almighty God, it, it changes the aspect, and that's how God has invited. If you want to be, that's what the disciples asked, how can I pray like you pray? Okay, after this man, not, not something for us to recite, a manner. Here's how you approach our father. Yes. I don't know we'll get a whole lot further today, but we'll keep working our way through this. Our father who art in heaven, our father in heaven. Everything Jesus is giving us in this prayer is significant. Yes. He's, he's my father. Where is he? He's in heaven. Tells me he's got a different perspective. He's higher than I am. His ways aren't my ways. His thoughts aren't my, my thoughts. Where is, where's the father? Our father in heaven. So we know that God by his spirit is everywhere. We talk about the omnipresence of God, but positionally he is enthroned. He's on the throne in heaven. That's where God is located. And when we talk about in heaven, that, that is a realm. We're talking about the spiritual realm. So when Jesus says, if you want to be effective in prayer, number one, approach God, not just as God, not just as some powerful entity, approach him as your father, and then know that he is located in heaven. And when Jesus says that, part of the significance is acknowledging he is in a realm, he's in an unseen realm. You're praying to someone that you can't see. And when you do that, what it helps us do is shift from the realm of the senses into the realm of the spirit. And to do that, you've got to engage your faith. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Him being a rewarder, that deals with the fatherhood aspect of God. But when we come to him, that's prayer. When I come to God, I must believe that he is. So when Jesus says, our father who art in heaven, it's talking about engaging our faith. And as believers, having our faith engaged is enormously important. We're supposed to walk by faith. We're righteous by faith. We're supposed to to live by faith. Our Father who art in heaven helps us move out of the scene. I'm not not talking to someone who is in the room that I can touch tangibly. I'm, I'm having this conversation. I'm approaching someone based on my faith that he's out there, that he hears me, that we walk by faith. Listen to what it says in a few verses earlier, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we're talking about faith, we're dealing with the unseen realm. Once it becomes seen, we're we're no longer really in the realm of faith, and that's where God is pleased when we trust him and walk by faith. After Jesus rose from the dead and was appearing to his disciples, one of the disciples that missed some of his appearances was a guy named Thomas. And Thomas said, talking to the other disciples, and he said, listen, you guys are saying Jesus isn't dead anymore. I'm not going to believe until I can stick my fingers in his side, until I get to take his nail scars, and I want to touch him. i got to see it to believe it. And then Jesus shows up in the room and says, okay, Thomas. Jesus is so gracious, so kind. He shows up to Thomas and says, okay, start putting your fingers wherever you go ahead. Go ahead and touch. See, See that I'm real. And Thomas says, oh, Lord, Lord, I believe. And Jesus' response was, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those 
who believe and haven't seen. So when we start praying, oh, my father who's in heaven, my unseen father, I'm putting myself in an atmosphere of faith that's pleasing to God. I'm stepping into to a, a mode that causes the blessing of God to rest on me because I'm not going by the seen realm. I'm stepping in, stepping into the spiritual realm. First John chapter five, verse four says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So again, when we walk, step into this mode of faith, we're stepping into a mode of victory, a mode of of overcoming, that I'm not going by my senses. I'm beginning to operate on the spiritual realm. I'm engaging with God on the platform of faith. And when I do that, that is a powerful place to be standing in faith. That God, I'm coming to you, my father, you are in heaven. You're in the spiritual realm and I'm, I'm having this conversation, trusting your word. I'm standing on your word. I'm not going by what I feel. I'm not going by the senses. That's a powerful place to be. And because you're starting in faith, you're, you're couple words into Jesus' model prayer, you might as well stay in faith as you continue through the rest. Early on, he's getting us in that mode of faith. It's a mistake to base our prayer life on our senses, but people fall into that all the time. The devil operates in the sense realm. The devil uses people's senses all the time to manipulate them, to lead them into terrible decisions, bad situations, so when we pray, we're praying based on faith, not, not our feelings. But the devil will try to move you out of that faith realm, that spiritual realm, and put you in the realm of your senses. That you'll, you're taking time to pray. You're getting up early in the morning to seek the Lord. You're taking this time to fast and pray. And as you're beginning to pray, the devil will want you to start asking this question or thinking along these lines. How, how do you feel? How do you feel right now? How's this prayer time feel to you? Yeah, it feels kind of dry, if I'm being honest. It feels kind of cold. I don't really feel like God's moving. This doesn't feel like a powerful time. It doesn't feel like one of those good times of prayer. You ever feel like that when you're, when you're praying? I don't feel like, I feel, it feels distant, if I'm being honest. As I'm praying this morning, it just feels, I feel like, I feel like my prayers are, are bouncing off the ceiling. Have you ever had a prayer time where that's how you felt? You feel like, you know what? Nothing's happening here. This isn't, this isn't like one of those sweet prayer times. This is one of those stale, cold. It's, it's, just, it's just dry. If he can shift you into that mode, if you've ever felt like that and you can identify with what I'm talking about, maybe based on those feelings, you've disengaged with that time of prayer. You know what? This just feels feels dry. You didn't press in like maybe you should have. You didn't lay hold of blessings that could have been yours. Maybe you cut that prayer time. You cut that prayer time short. The devil wants you to operate in the sense realm and go by, go by how you feel in times, in times of prayer. But what's, what's the Bible tell us? There's nowhere in the Bible that tells us that your prayers have anything to do with your feelings, that your feelings never come into any part of teaching on being effective and being effective in prayer. The Bible says this in 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his, his will, he hears us. Where, where are our feelings in that? Feelings have no part to play because that's not where our faith is based. It's based on the word of God, standing according to his will, following the instructions of God's word. And when Jesus says, you want to pray effectively, make sure you shift into this mode of the spirit realm and faith, not, not based on senses. You and I have to be careful with this because we live in a very, a very feelings-based culture. 
The people go by their feelings all the time. Feelings reign supreme in most of our, most of our culture. You might be at your most spiritually strong point, but because you don't feel anything, you, you miss an opportunity to pray, to, engage, to receive revelation. Maybe there's someone God wanted you to pray for, someone who's sick, who needed a healing. God could have used you, wanted to use you. You had everything that was required, but because you didn't feel it, you missed that opportunity. God wanted to bring you revelation, lead you in a situation, but because you were going by your feelings, you missed that opportunity. We don't go by feelings. We go by, we go by the word of God, and our culture tries to get us into feelings mode. For our culture, our culture tells us that feelings are reality. That if you feel a certain way, well, then that's, that's, that's what it is. It's whatever you feel. To the point that if a man feels like he is a woman, then what's our society say? Culture says, well, if that's how you feel, well, then that's, that's what you are. That might be an extreme example, but that kind of lie is not just damaging to the man who feels like a woman, and so he's told that's his reality. It's also damaging to the Christian who feels like they're weak and distant and unable to connect with God and believes that because they feel that way, that's their reality. Because we stand, this is a walk of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by how I feel. I stand on the word of God, and the word of God says that I can come boldly into the throne of God. I can find help in my time of need. doesn't mention when you feel like that's true. I, I don't walk by that. I've got to put, it's important that we shift into the mode of faith if we want to be effective in prayer. Too often, people pray prayers based on their feelings. They come to God and they lament, they cry. It's all emotion. And we're able to do that, thank God. But we've got to come based on faith. God, I know you hear me. Like, like they, oh, you who hear me when I cry. You hear me when I come. You're the one who hears and answers my prayer. It doesn't matter how I feel when I'm in a good mood, when I get a good, good night rest, when people have been nice to me that day, everything's going my way, then my prayers are effective. That, that's not found in the word of God, that I can, I can come with confidence and boldness. Our father who art in heaven, our father who art in heaven, I'm leaving the mode of the senses. I'm leaving the realm of what I can taste, what I can touch, what I can feel. And I'm putting myself in the mode of victory, an overcomer, one who walks close with God based on spiritual realities, not, not what I can sense in this earthly temporary realm. So Everything Jesus is teaching us in prayer is for what? So I can be effective. My father, where's he located? In, in heaven. I'm leaving things seen and I'm walking according to things unseen. We keep ourselves based on the word of God, walking, walking in faith. You know, Jesus even said when he was teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit, that there's a reason the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. What was it? Because the world can't receive him. I, I want to give people the Holy Spirit. It's my gift. But the world can't receive him. Why? Because they, they can't see him. The world is so tied into their senses that they can't receive what God has for them. So you and I could fall into that same thing. If I begin to walk according to my senses, I'm going to miss out on things God wants me to receive. So Jesus is helping us shift in that mode at the beginning of this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to feel reverence for or to honor 
as holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when I, when I pray this prayer and I use this model and I'm, I'm following along, when I get to this point, I just start, Father, hallowed be your name. Let your name be lifted high. God, there's nobody like you. You deserve all the glory, all the honor. You are set apart. Father, let your name be lifted high. I start with myself in me, God, that you would take a, a higher priority than anything else in my life, that you'd be revered in honor. I pray that way for my family. God, let your name be lifted high in my marriage. Be honored in everything that takes place in my family, in my daughters. I pray for you in our church. God, let your name be revered. Receive the adoration, Lord, the respect and the honor you deserve in our church, in our community. That, that's how I pray along those lines. That he, we, we know him as Father, and he allows us to approach him as Father, and that's important. But he's also still God, and we need to honor him and reverence him and respect him. What happens in a lot of people, and this happens in human relationships as well, that the closer you get to someone, sometimes the less, the less you honor them. The more familiar you are with somebody, the honor starts to go down more and more. And because God lets us come to him, Abba, Father, that's wonderful, that's sweet. But then he says, hallowed be your name. He's bringing balance. It's like a tension that holds us in the right place. Yes, he's my father, but he's still almighty God. He's the one that spoke the earth into existence. And I've got to reverence him and honor him on that level. Let, let me read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel says... I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The New Living reads like this, but I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. It's important that you and I approach God with honor. God says, I'm going to honor people who honor me, but what happens when people become casual with him, begin to take him lightly? He says, those who treat me lightly, I'm going to despise. It's a dangerous thing to have the revelation of God as father and not also carry honor and respect and reverence along with that. That we're allowed to come to God boldly and confidently. Thank God for that privilege. And it's just that it is a privilege. But because I can come boldly doesn't mean I can come arrogantly. I, don't, I, I come boldly. I don't come proud. I come humble. God, you, you're, he's, he's my father. He's still someone to be honored and reverenced and, and respected. If, I, if I'm too casual with him, I'm treating him lightly. And what did that verse say of people that treat God lightly? It says God will despise them. Treat me lightly, I'll despise you. My father, yes, but he needs to be honored. Jesus, Jesus was very careful to honor his father. He knew the Father better than anyone else. But you read through the Gospels, he was always careful to honor the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. That, that's closeness. That's familiarity. That's intimacy. Well, you read through, he said, I, I don't say anything unless my Father first. I don't do anything without my Father first showing me what to do. I, I bring glory to the Father. He was obedient to the point of death on the cross, honoring the Father. Not my will, Father, but yours, but yours be done. He was all about honoring the Father. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, yes. right? He's seated at, that's where he is positionally. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, seated, seated with him. When did Jesus sit down at the right hand of the Father? Well, we know he, he came to earth, took on flesh, lived here for 33 years. He ministered. 
He was obedient to death on the cross. He allowed people to, to beat him and mock him, nail him to a piece of wood. They put him in the tomb, dead three days. Then he rises victorious over death, hell, and the grave, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He ascends back to heaven. When did he sit down? This is what it says in Psalm 110. Psalm, Psalm 110, it, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit down at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for you. So when Jesus, he comes in, King of kings, Lord of lords, returns back to heaven, he doesn't just come into the throne room and say, slide over and, and plop himself down. He doesn't just jump on it like you jump on your lazy boy at home and relax. He says he waited until the Father said, sit down. So Jesus returns back to heaven, so reverent of, of the Father that he stands until the Father says, until the Lord said to my Lord, be seated at my right hand. He didn't just come casually in and plop himself down. That, that's reverence. Jesus had that kind of reverence for the Father. He was an example for you and I. Yes, we know him as Father, but that privilege, that freedom, we can't allow it to cause us to slide in to just uh, treating God lightly or taking him, taking him flippantly. Uh, Jesus is telling us this not, not, for our, not for God's benefit, but for your benefit, for my benefit. It's good for us to honor God. It's pleasing to him. But ultimately, everything God tells us is for your benefit and my benefit. So what, what, in, in context, this is about so you and I can be more effective in prayer. That if you and I want to be more effective in prayer, when I come to him as father, I, I, I step into the spiritual, the faith realm, and I show him honor, I show him respect. It's for, for our own benefit. You receive from people at the level that you honor. We've talked about that before, but it applies here. It's so important. The level that you honor somebody, is the, it caps what you can receive from them. I've used this example before, but it's a good example, so I'll use it again. My, my wife has known me. We met at youth camp when we were both in high school, and we started dating few years later when we were in college. So she's known me since I was a teenager. She's seen me do all kinds of stupid things. She's seen me go through all kinds of phases, I've made mistakes, had to apologize. She knows me better than anyone. She is more familiar with me than, than anyone else on the planet. She sees me at my worst, sees me when I first get up in the morning, stinky and gross. She's got, she does my laundry, has to clean up after me, knows that I leave cabinet doors open and frustrate her, leave socks turned inside, inside out, those kinds of things. She, sees, she knows me at that level. And if that's all she sees and all she honors me at is that knucklehead from college, this guy that can't clean up after himself, that bozo that's always forgetting his car keys and I have to help him find stuff all the time. If that's the level she honors me, then that's, that's, that's all she'll ever receive from me is on that level. But along with being all of those things, I'm also, I'm also the head of our household, according to God's word. And I'm the priest of the home. So when I'm operating in that and I, I want to pray for my family and I line up my family and I anoint them with oil and I want to minister to them or I want to share from, share from the word of God. If she's up, okay, go ahead. You're going to pray for me. That's cute. Go ahead. If that, if, but if she can honor me at, at being who God's word says that I am, then there's a blessing she can receive that's off limits to her if she just rolls her eyes when I say I want to pray for the family. I'm, I'm also her pastor. So she's sitting there right now with a notebook on her lap. If she sees me, oh, oh this guy, he's going to talk from God's word. Okay, Mr. Uh, cabinet Doors. Okay, uh, Mr. Socks Inside Out. How about a message about putting the seat down, putting the seat up? How about, how about a message on that? 
If, if that's where she's honoring me, so she's going to sit there and roll her eyes and miss out on what God might want to speak through the ministry that can take place. This is true for all relationships. You, you receive from people at the level that you honor them at. So wherever you stop honoring, you're not hurting that person. You're hurting yourself. So if God, if you become so familiar and so casual with God, he's just a big guy upstairs. All right, big guy. You're, you're, if you fail to honor him, you're not hurting him. He's still God. He's still on the throne. Who you're hurting is yourself because you're not going to be able to appreciate the privilege I have to come, not just my big heavenly dad. You can talk like that as long as it's with honor. But if you, if you fail to honor and reverence him, then when you begin to cast your cares, begin to present your petitions, you're going to miss out. You're praying to the, the almighty God, the holy one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he is our Father, but he's also Almighty God. Yes. Talked about it last week. Another reason why, dads, you're so important because you're setting a standard. Yes. When the Bible says, gives instruction, children, honor your father and mother, you're, you're teaching them. Uh, dads, you've got to teach your kids to honor you. I want, I want to be close with my girls. I want to be close with them. I want to be their buddy. I want to wrestle on the floor and, you know, do all that kind of stuff as a dad. I want to be close to them. But there's also times where I have to remind them that I'm their father, that I have to correct them. Hey, I, who do you think I am? Who are you talking to right now? I'm not one of your little buddies. I'm not one of your little friends. I'm your father. You don't talk to me that way. You show respect. There's times where you've got, you've got to remind them. It's not for, it's not for my benefit. It's for, it's for their benefit. Yeah. That we come to God and we, we show honor and reverence and we don't allow the privilege of knowing him as father to cause us to be lazy and sloppy with giving him the honor and the respect that he's due. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's so much, there's so much in this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, giving us a standard for the things that we pray. You know, th those aren't two separate things, your kingdom come and your will be done. If we separate those out, we, we miss the significance. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's kingdom comes where his will is done. What makes heaven, heaven? You know what makes heaven, heaven? Because God's will is done perfectly there. That's what makes heaven, heaven, because his will is carried out perfectly in heaven. So if you want to see God's kingdom come, you know what you need to do? Live out his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. His kingdom comes where his will is done. To, to be effective in prayer, a father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. We start making requests. What is it? Your kingdom come. If you want to be effective, then you prioritize. It's not just about what you want. You begin to prioritize God's desire, God's kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Th don't pray selfish prayers. You've got to be careful not, not to pray selfishly. There's nowhere in the Bible that promotes you being selfish. It's a, it goes against so many principles in God's word. That if, you want, if you want to be honored, if you want to be blessed, you don't put yourself first. You put, others, you put others first. That's the way the kingdom of God operates. So we don't pray selfish prayers. We pray for God's kingdom to come, his will, his will to be done. If you, want, if you want to receive things that you haven't even asked for, just begin to put his kingdom first. 
You want to see blessings that didn't even cross your mind to receive? You want to see God begin to care for things that you didn't even realize he was aware of? Begin to put his kingdom first. Begin to honor God. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And not, not in a fake way. We know from the first teaching in Matthew chapter 6 we looked at a couple of weeks ago. God knows our hearts. He knows he knew the heart of the hypocrite. He knows your heart when you come before him in prayer. But to begin to genuinely desire, learn how to desire, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you know you, you would benefit yourself if you spent time praying for this church? Well, what if this year you took significant time just to pray for the church? God, let soul, Father, this Sunday, let souls get saved. Father, let people be edified and nourished. Cause your church to grow. Make more impact. Reach more people. Build stronger disciples. Father, let your blessing rest in our church. You begin to pray those kinds of prayers. If you've never done that before, you pray that way this year. Make a commitment to do it. You'll have the most effective, blessed year you've ever had. To begin to seek his kingdom first. To make it a priority. There's so many, so many examples. Solomon, when, when he was asked, when God appeared to Solomon and said, you can have whatever you want, ask whatever you want, blank check, what do you want? And he said, you know what I really want? I want wisdom so I can lead your people well. I want a hearing heart so I can care for your kingdom. What was God's response to that? You care about my kingdom? You know what I'm going to do? You didn't ask for riches? Too bad, you're getting them. You didn't ask for fame? Oh, well, you have it. All the stuff you didn't ask for, it's yours now. Why? Because he said, my heart is for your kingdom. That, that's, that's what I want. You want to see God just start to pick out stuff, just ways he wants to bless you on his own? You begin to put his kingdom first. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story of a Shunammite woman who was barren, had no, had no children. And she has an encounter with the prophet of God, Elisha. She doesn't make any requests. You know what she begins to do? She talks to her husband, says, you know what? We got to feed this guy a meal, and that was nice. What else could we do for him? Um, what, what if we built him a room and we furnished it and we made it nice and we just honored the presence of God that rests on that, that man of God? What, what if we did that? You know the story. After, after Elisha gets to enjoy this room, and it's the Spirit of God operating Elisha, really, that we're reading about, he starts to think, what can we do for this woman? What, how can I bless her? What can I do? You can almost imagine pacing around that room he was blessed with. What can I do for this woman? Talking to a servant. Well, I, I notice she doesn't have any kids. Her husband's getting older. That's what we're going to do. Call her in. You're going to have the son. You, she never asked for that. God just started looking for ways to bless her because she put the kingdom of God first. If you want God to remember you, you know what you need to do? You need to forget yourself. The key to having you on God's mind is get you off your own mind. God, God will begin to bless you and lavish things on you when you genuinely begin to seek his kingdom first. Things that you, you don't have to ask for them because God makes you his concern when you make him your concern. Jesus is teaching us how to be effective in prayer. And the way to be effective in prayer, when you start making requests, number one, God, your kingdom. Let your kingdom advance. God, what do you want? Let your will be done in all of these situations. Let, let your prayers benefit the kingdom of God. That when you pray, you're putting the kingdom of God first, even in the things that you want, the things that you desire. God, I want that job. God, I want that promotion. Would you please But Why? God wants to bless you, but he wants you not to be selfish. In fact, going back to James chapter 4, where we started off, you ask, James chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. Where were they off? That you may spend it on your own pleasures. You spend it on your own pleasures. 
They were selfish in their prayers. God wants to bless people, but the only reason they were praying, it was all about them. So God's helping us get out of that mode. God, your kingdom, your will. We read in those early, earlier verses in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. So he, he knows what's on your heart. He knows what you need. He knows you've got that situation going on at work. He knows you've got that financial need. He knows that you've got that thing going on with your kids and you don't know what to do. He knows what you need. And you move his heart when he knows all of your needs, but you approach him and you start saying, Father, what do you want? What's on your heart, God? Let your kingdom come. Your, we'll, get to, we'll get to what I desire, but God, you come first in my life. That, that's how you move God. Let your prayers align with the kingdom of God. I want that job, God, let me get that promotion. Attach it to the kingdom of God. Father, you know that nobody in that office honors you. Father, you know that they need an ambassador for you in that place of business. Father, you know it would be better for someone who loves you to own that, own that company. Well, why not me, God, that I could honor you there, that I could use those resources to be a blessing. You know you need someone to preach the gospel in that position. Why not put me, attach your desires, not just to you, begin to incorporate the desires of the Father. Our Father, oh, my Father, my Abba, my Abba, who art in heaven. I can't see you. I'm standing in faith. I'm engaging my faith. Don't pray that mindlessly. Don't pray it passively. Engage my Father in heaven. I'm leaving the sense realm. Don't go by that. I'm walking in faith. Hallowed be your name. God, I revered you. I honor you. You're, nobody compares to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus is teaching us how to be effective in prayer effective in prayer. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Just take a moment right now. Just close your eyes. And just pray that far. Just pray through that thought. My Father, my Father. Just out loud even, Father. Just say, Father. Thank you, I can come to you as my Father. What a good Father you are. My Father in heaven. Not going by senses. Leaving that stuff behind. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. Step from the, the seen realm into the unseen realm. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just take a moment just to reverence him, to honor him. Maybe you've been too casual. Just set that right right now. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, there's nobody like you. Nobody compares to you. No one compares to you. Mighty God, my mighty God, I honor you. I worship you. You deserve all of my praise, all of the glory, all of the honor. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. This whole week, our prayer points have had to do with our church being stronger, people coming to know the Lord. This coming week have to do with us reaching our community. Just take a moment right now. Just begin to pray along those lines. Father, let your kingdom come. Forget about yourself. Forget about yourself. We'll get to those, our daily bread and those kinds of things. But first, God, your kingdom come. Just right now, take a moment just to pray for God's kingdom. Father, let this be a year where more people in our community come to know you than ever before. Father, let every stronghold that causes divorces, that causes division, that causes addiction, everywhere where the enemy has been able to gain a stronghold in our community, we come against it in the name of Jesus. Everywhere where there's a stronghold, we demolish it with the name of Jesus. Let people step into freedom. Let people leave that bondage. Let every yoke be broken in Jesus' mighty name. Just keep praying. Take a moment to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
Your will be done, Father. Your will be done. Let blindness come off the hearts of people in our community. Father, fill your people with boldness. Boldness. Confidence to represent you well. Let us carry an anointing wherever we go, Lord. Give us a heart after souls. Father, your word says to pray for harvesters. Lord, let there be great harvesters that rise up. Let them rise up from this church. Lord, I enlist myself. Let me be a harvester this year. Father, don't let this month close without me telling somebody about how good you are, bringing someone into your kingdom. Just continue to pray. Continue to pray. Be sincere. Be sincere. Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. If your prayers have been ineffective, maybe this is one of the reasons why. If you haven't been putting God first, make that change right now. Put him first. God, your kingdom. Tell him, Lord, I need a desire. Help me. Give me grace to get my eyes off myself and trust you. Help me to forget about me. Move the heart of God this morning. Move his heart. He knows what you need, but you're not asking for it. You're asking for what he wants, what he desires. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Maybe you can pray better standing. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Continue to pray. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. We're just taking a couple of moments to pray along these lines this morning. Your kingdom come. God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. If it pleases you, Lord, let it play itself out. In our church, Lord, there would be a genuine enthusiasm and excitement. Father, like your word says, they were, they were glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let there be an excitement. Father, not people dragging themselves here, barely able to get themselves through the door. Uh, an excitement to come and be fed from your word. Father, let your presence fill this place. That people encounter you. Let them be changed. Let strongholds be broken. Yokes be removed. Minds be renewed. Lord, let darkness be driven off of people's hearts. In Jesus' name, Father, receive glory and honor. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Pray for your household. Pray for your place of employment or places that you go that you could bring people into the kingdom of God. Begin to claim someone specifically. Who's someone you can target in prayer right now? Father, Father, give me favor in their eyes. Give me boldness. Give me a strategy to bring them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Father, let your will be done. Your, your, your word says, Father, you're not willing that any should perish. Don't let that man from my, my office perish. Lord, don't let that woman that I see at the grocery store go to hell. Use me, God. I volunteer to be used to bring them into the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done, Father. Your will be done. Just take another minute to pray. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. 
Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. Father, we honor you. Let your kingdom come. Just continue to commit yourself into his hand. Father, let my life be about you. Let everything I do, my entire life, let it be about you and honoring you. Jesus is our example. Let everything I say, everything I do, you'd be guiding me and leading me. I want to honor you in everything. Just another minute. Just another minute. Let's continue to tell Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.